0: Hey everyone, this is Last Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode we are talking about your 16 and 37 Detroit Pistons. Ben Gulker and I talk about Killian Hayes playing good against bad teams, and bad against good teams, why Sekou Nubuya is getting more minutes, and what he's doing with them, and we talk about the Masters, because this Pistons team has won 16 games. Don't judge us. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work hello everyone welcome to this week's episode of the detroit bad boys podcast i am your host lazarus jackson pleased as always, to be joined by my usual co-host Ben Gulker. How you doing, Ben?
1: Laz, well, I'm doing good. This West Coast road trip has not kept me up late, but maybe it has you. But I'm all right. How are you?
0: I'm I'm doing fine, I guess. I I've been I've resorted to the post-work nap, the post-work <laughs> midday nap, to try and watch some of these games live because I don't have time. Otherwise, are the games any easier to watch the the next day, Ben? <laughs>
1: Uh, it's kind of weird watching games when you know what's going to happen for an entire week. You know, that makes sense. Um, but at the same time, you kind of know what to look for, right? So, it's uh, yeah, I'm glad it's almost over though. That I, there's just no way <laughs> I can stay up till <laughs> one in the morning every night watching watching yeah. this team. Not gonna happen.
0: E- exactly. It's been it's been uh it's been rough, but since we we know what to look for, we know what to talk about. Blessedly, first thing we should talk about is. Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes is back. Uh, playing off the bench, which is not unsurprising, but, uh, also a good way to retain or like curtail his minutes. But, uh, yeah, he's coming off the bench. Um, he's played pretty good against some bad teams and pretty, played pretty poorly against some good teams. Just, that's just, is that the pattern I should expect going forward, Ben?
1: Well, interestingly, that's kind of what the team did too. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah, I think that's a good observation. He's looked his best when the competition has been at its worst. But at the same time, like, it's been really refreshing to see him look good. Like, he had, I think, a couple nice offensive performances this week. I think, you know, just about every game, we see Killian Hayes, the point guard, the court vision, the defense, the passing. Um, But we got a couple glimpses into what uh, Killian Hayes, the scoring point guard, could look like last week and i don't know i found that really really interesting what do you think
0: i thought it was intriguing um i thought it was it was just very noticeable it was very very noticeable to me that um defenses that knew what they were doing could still contain him but defenses that did not necessarily know what they were doing had less of a shot right sacramento just very little idea of what they're doing on a possession-by-possession possession basis. And it made sense that he scored, you know, a career-high 11 points in that game. Um, you, like you mentioned, we see we see the passing. We also saw a little bit of the uh, non-passing basketball IQ against Sacramento. I joked about this on Twitter, but the, uh, the, the off-ball screen he set for Sadiq Bey to get three guys kind of shifting in that direction that opened up space for him to take uh, an easy... Uh, Semi uncontested floater in the lane was uh, just a really nice di- display of um, creativity and, and basketball IQ that uh, you don't see every day from nineteen year olds, and so that was really cool. Um, obviously, I would I would love for Kif- Killian to score fifteen points a game, but I don't think it's going to happen the rest of the way through. And so now, for now, I just find myself, you know, going through the rest of the schedule to look and see where the bad teams are, <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think what's interesting too is the thing that Killian c- continues to do is just be like a really all around stat stuffer. Right. So like he rebounds well for a point guard. He had a couple, he had like several blocks this week, which was super interesting. Um, so yeah, he just seems like he's just the all around, all around guy who's just got to find his shot. And he's so young. Like you saw, I forget which game it was, the the nice, really nice step back three that just looked completely pure um so yeah i just got to give him some time to to figure out that shot and at least be a good enough shooter that commands a little a little bit of respect right to keep defenses on us so he can abuse them off the dribble yeah exactly
0: i think what do you what do you make of him playing off the ball a lot in in some <laughs> of these like dual or you know triple point guard
1: lineups in some cases i really hope that's just a function of necessity <laughs> Uh, cuz there have been some downright weird back uh, backcourt rotations, right? Like the the Corey Joseph, Dennis Smith backcourt is just ugh, makes me cringe. So, I'm just hoping that's because there's too many guards.
0: Yeah. It, w- hopefully they clear the roster and the roster looks a little bit more clear for Killian in the uh, in the next season in like the last after these last 19 games, we're going to we're going to see something different. But yeah, it's it's been it's been odd to see him play. You know, at times it feels like like he's playing like small forward out there, uh, which just happens to be handling the ball a lot. Um, A guy who's pushing him off the ball a lot is Corey Joseph. We should talk about Corey Joseph. This Pistons team features a lot of Corey Joseph. And it's not like I have a huge desire to talk about Corey Joseph. But he's so in there, in my face, doing stuff that I feel compelled to to just like bring it up as a topic so he's averaging 11 points three rebounds and five assists uh, as a member of the detroit pistons uh shooting 33 from three and 51 percent from the floor he's shooting eight times a game in 24 minutes a night which is 16 shots per 100 possess- possessions which is a lot of shots ben ben this is this is far too much Corey joseph for my personal enjoyment but this is probably the the right amount of Corey Joseph for the tank wouldn't wouldn't you say
1: (laughs) it's kind of like he's just transitioned directly into the Delon Wright role right it's like give coach Casey a mediocre veteran point guard and that veteran point guard is just gonna dominate the basketball for whatever (laughs) reason this season yeah I, I mean he's he's fine like he's a he's a fine like backup veteran point guard I guess but yeah I I understand why he's getting minutes but now that Killian's back I hope those minutes go down a little bit cuz he just he's not interesting, right? He's not part of the future and he's fundamentally, you know, uninteresting. But maybe maybe the fact that he is so uninteresting is is part of the tank.
0: Yeah, this is this is a the the acquisition. This is part of playing out the string on the tank, right? Like you're you're going to have these veterans around, soaking up minutes and and doing things. If it wasn't him, it'd be Wayne. If it wasn't if it was wasn't Wayne, it'd be Roddy Magruder, right? Like we we've seen enough to know that uh, the young guys are not going to get you know 35 minutes a night uh, under Dwayne Casey. But man, I gotta say, like he w- watching him, you know, just dominate the ball so much uh when that's like not the player i thought he would be coming into detroit that's not the player i've ever seen him be in In you know in san antonio or in toronto but uh yeah it's just it's very interesting to watch like this veteran dude be like okay i know i'm gonna get cut because they, they acquired my contract to cut me so like i gotta get my numbers up so like somebody will sign me this
1: off season. i think that's exactly right and like when you get he and dennis smith jr in the lineup at the same time which we saw Like it's like either one of them is going to get the ball and dribble it for 16 seconds. Like that's just what's going to (laughs) happen. You're going to have to be okay with it.
0: Like yeah, hey, like the I guess I guess that's how you stay in the NBA, right? Like this is (laughs) this is always like this is what this is a reminder of. Like the NBA is in fact a workplace. It's like, okay, if you if you have a coworker who is like worried about his future employment status and he's just like doing a bunch of stuff around the stock room <laughs> and you're just like, Man, can you just like chill for like three seconds? He's Dominating like,
1: no. the board meetings.
0: <laughs> he's, he's talking during the PowerPoints, mm-hmm. and you're just like, dude, like you, you don't no one's asking you to do this. But you, you feel that pressure. I I understand it, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean I want to, you know, listen to it on the on the Zoom calls every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh speaking of guys who are i I don't have a great transition for this i don't i don't know jaleel okafor jaleel okafor is back um i wrote jaleel okafor is back with an exclamation point in the doc and then i looked at it and i was like i don't know if that deserves an exclamation (laughs) point but uh we see him kind of doing his thing in the post uh we remember like he was brought in to be the backup center quickly supplanted by isaiah stewart uh, deservedly so and then, you know, got injured. And we haven't that was kind of the last we'd seen from him until this week. But uh yeah, he's back. He played he played okay against Sacramento. Um and he played he played okay in, in spot minutes against Portland. Um Ben, would you rather see like Jalil do his thing uh down these last couple of nineteen games, or would you rather see like Tyler Cook out there doing his thing?
1: Now there's a choice, right? right. <laughs> um, you know, I feel bad for Jalil. I feel bad about his entire career trajectory like he's just you know he's had just such a rough go of it um i i like the fact that coach casey's given him a chance to earn some more minutes right but like he just he just feels so much like he is what he is right like he's gonna he's gonna do stuff he's gonna be really active he's gonna take shots he's probably gonna make quite a few of them and he's gonna get some rebounds but like beyond that it just feels really Really hit and miss, especially defensively. Um, and then, of course, Tyler Cook. Like you know, Pistons obviously gave him um, a longer term deal. Um, so you know, maybe he doesn't have to worry about earning his next spot as much as as a guy like Julian might. Um, but yeah, I mean, either either one of those guys. I don't know. It's hard to muster a strong opinion about either of them, right?
0: No, I definitely. I mean, we, we I, do, I did want to congratulate Tyler Cook on the, you know, rest of season contract for a guy who's like hanging on the fringes of the NBA. I'm sure that's very big for him. And, and that's, you know, it's a nice success story. You like to see that. Um, the thing that's killing me about Jaleel is he's not an exceedingly good like pick and roll partner for Killian coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. We saw you saw him make one like pick and pop three against Sacramento off a of Killian feed. I don't expect that to be a regular occurrence. And because Julio doesn't make a lot of quick decisions with the ball, he receives, you know, entry passes and, and kind of posts up and attacks in isolation. Um, it's not like the, the type of quick hitting, you know, ball movement spaced out offense you would like to see Killian Hayes running. And so I think in like in, in that way, I think Tyler Cook as just as like a guy who runs and jumps is probably a better fit right now for 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 killian hayes and thusly for like what the pistons are trying to do in the short and the long term but you know jaleel is obviously a guy with more nba experience than tyler cook um, a guy you you prioritized over tyler cook in this offseason and so you understand like why um he's getting these minutes but it's uh yeah it's it's sad to say that like i would rather see you know this guy that the pistons brought in off consecutive 10 days than uh than this guy they they signed on day one of free agency. All right, Ben. The uh, next thing I want to talk about was uh Jeremy Grant's absence. So Jeremy Grant has missed the last couple of games uh, after his you know pretty nice performance in Denver. Um, he's missed. It's a uh, what's it? I think it's listed as like a knee contusion or knee sprain. Uh, are you? It's like is do you think this is more? Do you think he's actually hurt? Or do you think this is just like another part of the tank is like holding out your, your best player down the stretch for some of these games?
1: Well, like if you've ever had like a deep th- uh, thigh or knee bruise and tried to play basketball on it, like the odds of hurting yourself worse right, are extremely low. But it can just be downright painful. And, you know, if the Pistons had something to play for right now, I have to believe Jeremy Grant is out there playing. Because um, he's just undoubtedly their most versatile weapon by leaps and bounds, but at the same time, when you don't have anything to play for, and actually, <laughs> maybe I'll talk about this in a minute. Like you look at what the rest of the Tankathon is doing. Like you might just be better off letting Jeremy Grant like totally get rid of that that bruising or or whatever it actually is, because you know winning games just just isn't the priority. So I'm going to go with he's probably in pain but not seriously injured. And they're just going to let him get completely healthy because they're just not concerned about winning.
0: I think, I think that's fair. I mean, we, we've talked to the, over the course of this season, right? We have talked about how, well, I, at least like we, we've talked about how, you know, physically his body is not used to this level of, um, of use and, and punishment over the course of a 72 game season, just because he's never been the primary option on a team before. Right, we're we're grimacing every time he's hitting the floor, and he hits the floor very hard, a lot, yeah. um, and you know, taking. A, I think you know, giving him the space to take advantage of this time to to get healthy and and show up next season healthy is probably the right thing to do. And I think you're right um, in that he is probably hurt, but not seriously. He's injured, but not hurt. Is that how it goes? But uh, yeah, it's better for the Pistons in the short and the long term for him to not necessarily be pushing himself to play every night. I I would be surprised if we've seen like the last of Jeremy Grant this season, but I, I don't think I don't know if he's gonna play tonight. I don't think the Pistons have uh they haven't come out with their injury report from what I've seen. We are recording this at it's five fifteen PM Eastern time. Yeah, obviously they play uh 10 o'clock tonight and so I, I haven't seen the injury report just yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's not playing tonight. Uh, Kawhi is not playing tonight. And so, like, that's even less of a reason to, to try and rush Jeremy Grant back. But, yeah, it's just uh, – it's it shouldn't – it's not a long-term concern, right?
1: Yeah, it sure doesn't seem like it to me. I mean, just let him get healthy. Let him, let him be healthy when, hopefully, uh, you know, a year from now, there's something more meaningful to be playing for.
0: No, exactly. And, you know, not playing Jeremy Grant has had, you know – uh, opportunities for other guys to to get playing time like Sekou Numbuya, right? We, you talked about last week, your awful thing was that, you know, you were kind of just bleh about Sekou Numbuya getting DMP CD. Um, that has not been the case this week. He played a significant minutes against Oklahoma city and Sacramento played, played 23 minutes against Portland and played pretty well in those minutes. Uh, like in general, he hasn't played amazingly, but and have you been in? Have you been encouraged by what you've seen from Seku? Both that he's playing more and, and how he's playing uh, in this stretch.
1: Yeah. So a couple things I want to call out. The first one is, like, it's interesting to see his minutes bump with Killian coming back, right? And they've actually shared the floor, um, you know, a fair amount together. Um, and like, I was trying to think about that in the context of Seku's game, and really, like. When you look at the Pistons point guards, even though they have lots of them, Killian's really the only one right now who's like more pure point guard, which is to say more focused on setting up with the offense and passing and facilitating, right, than than any of the other guys on the roster. So I think that's interesting because I think Siku's probably going to be more effective when, when the offense is running that way. second thing I wanted to call out, you know, like to me, I've been critical of Sega for just looking completely lost and disengaged when it comes to, you know, the 5 men offensive scheme and, you know, less so on defense, but, you know, just kind of a little bit marching to the beat of his own drummer. I feel like this week he actually was engaged in the offense quite a bit more. Um, He looked like he belonged out there with the rest of the team instead of just kind of wandering around doing his own thing. And, you know, the third thing I would say is, you know as a whole i think you're right to evaluate him as you know not particularly great not particularly bad but you saw some flashes of skill sets that made him look like he belongs on an nba roster like he had some a couple of really nice takes he ran the floor really hard in transition and finished and he knocked down some threes and and you gotta think, Seiku's gonna have to be able to do those things consistently, given kind of what it looks like his role is turning into, given, you know, his athletic skills and his size and so on. So to see some flashes after just a very underwhelming season, to see him engage, to see him do some things well, to cash in on some of his athleticism, all of those things were very, very encouraging to me.
0: The point about the point guards is something that I had thought about, but not really considered all that heavily. But I think that's a really great point. Um, you know, we we talked, we joked kind of much, much earlier in the season about Seku, you know, making these uh, transition seals yeah. uh, in transition and, and him not being able necessarily to convert off of those, but also getting kind of looked off a lot on those. And playing with a guy who he feels comfortable is going to get him the ball in advantage situations is probably doing a lot for his confidence, right? Probably doing a lot for his, his feeling of belonging on an NBA court. Um, And so you, you really do like to see that my thing that I've been encouraged by Seku this week is uh, defensively, right? He played really attentive defense on Carmelo Anthony uh, in the Portland game. Mm -hmm. You know, he had five fouls, but he was also just really engaged on that end in a way that you know was not the case earlier in the season um he, he felt engaged defensively against the thunder in the like in the Pokashevsky matchup in a way that you know i i've, I've had, i think we haven't seen that from him in a long time it it feels like both with the knowledge that like minutes are to be had and you know playing against some of these these uh weaker teams in the western conference on this road trip he you can see Seku kind of both know that he's going to get these minutes and that these are going to be teams he can play well against. And uh, I think that's doing wonders for his confidence. You know, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was something that I feel I would be remiss if uh, I, I, I can hear uh, new Locked On Pistons host Kuka Hill's voice in the back of my head. Um, <laughs> if I didn't mention this, the, the grab and goes from Seiku the you know getting a rebound and immediately pushing the ball himself in transition uh to to pretty beneficial results is something i think also kind of belies the level of confidence that he has in himself that we're seeing uh right now that's something that's like directly out of what he was trying to do in the g league right like this is stuff we saw last year that he uh you know you could tell or maybe you you got the sense that he had been like instructed, like give the ball up to a guard before you push it yourself. And like, now he's been given that freedom to, uh, to try and make things happen himself in transition. And uh, it's worked out for the most part. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's like, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, just like, I'm not gonna do like a victory lap for Killian. We're not gonna do like victory laps for Sekou. He's finally turned it around, right? We're, we're confident that he's going to be like a star NBA player now, but you know, these, these are small steps and these are things you want to build on in like the final 19 games of the season. All right, Ben, uh, the last guy I, well, not the last thing, but like one, uh, one, other guy I wanted to talk about this week was, was Frank Jackson, you know, the, the forgotten man, uh, Frank Jackson, he is in the 96th percentile on spot up shots this season. Um, According to I think I believe it's second spectrum. That's a tweet from uh, James Edwards III of the Athletic. Um, I I joked that Frank was like playing his way onto an NBA roster, but not necessarily Detroit's NBA roster. But I I wonder. I'm starting to wonder if I should take that back. You know, you do you think do you think Frank has a place on this team in the long term?
1: That's a good question. I mean, he certainly carved out like what his role is and what his niche is, right? Like he's a guy who you put him in the game, you know, he's going to be very engaged offensively. And his shooting has been, you know, unlike some of the other spark plugs we have off the bench, I feel like his scoring has been much more consistent, Mm -hmm. right? Like you look at uh, an Ellington or a Josh Jackson, like those guys have been really up and down. Whereas I feel like just about every time Frank's number gets called, Um, you know, he, he performs in some way. So I I think that's a valuable thing to have in your toolbox. If you're a coach, right? Like you, you know, you need some buckets. You've got a guy who can get you some buckets. Um, So, you know, I I think the question is like, for me, if I'm thinking about it from the Troy Weaver perspective is like, is he a Troy Weaver kind of guy, right? Like he's undersized. He's not particularly impressive defensively, especially if you put him at, shooting guard maybe you can play a guy like killian hayes off each other that way right because Killian can defend both positions but um yeah i mean if if you're a team that needs that tool in your tool chest like i think frank jacks is probably a pretty affordable way to get it done and i think if you take a quick peek at the pistons payroll for one season from now like they need a guy who can shoot um and if, if Frank's available cheaply, which, you know, I don't know how cheap he'll be because that anytime you start pushing that 40 percent three point percentage like Frank has done this season for essentially the whole season, you become a lot more interesting. But, you know, if he's available for cheap and you can get him for another couple of years, like, yeah, I, I think that makes sense because you, you need to have some shooting to pair with all of these long athletic um, slashing sort of players that Weaver has acquired. Um, so that I think is the case for keeping him. Um, I will say though, that after having made that case, like I'm not going to be surprised or super disappointed if, if he's not part of the team moving forward, like to me, he doesn't feel like an integral, you know, piece of the core moving forward. I just think, you know, he's done enough to vindicate his place on an NBA roster for that sort of like spark plug off the bench scoring kind of guy.
0: Yeah. I, I, I agree with you both in um, that the Pistons need someone with his skill set, right? The Pistons just, if you look at looking at like what this team is going to look like in a year or two, they definitely just need somebody who you know, can shoot the ball consistently. Um, And I'm also going to agree with you that that doesn't necessarily have to be Frank Jackson. Uh, Like, is he a Weaver guy? Like maybe right. Like Troy Weaver did bring him in on the two-way contract. So they, they did see something in him, that they liked. Um, but at the same time, like he, he is undersized for uh, a backcourt position. He is undersized for just like being a guy Troy Weaver likes. Um, but he, he has started to compete uh, better on, on defense than what he was doing earlier in the season. And, and the shooting is a, is a big factor. And so I think there is a chance, you know, he makes this team even, even making the, being a part of this team next year, I think would be a big win uh, for Frank, but uh, the Pistons just do really need somebody with his skill set. Um, and it's, it's interesting, right? Because because shooting is now so so heavily valued by teams, you can find more specialists to to shoot. Right. And shooting is not necessarily a um, shooting is very like uh, it's it's a very in demand skill. And so there are there are a lot of people who specialize in that in demand skill. And so you could probably find somebody, you know, a little bit more physically imposing than Frank who can shoot, you know, just as well. But what's the, what's the opportunity cost of trying to get that guy into your system and into a development perspective uh, with that versus the, you know, the bird you have in the hand with this guy who you've already barred brought in on a two way contract and has played well for you and has existing relationships with the coaching staff now and, and with the, with the rest of your roster now. And so, yeah it's just it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the back half of this roster you know i we're we're really going to see if troy weaver values the same things that uh the fans i think are going to value uh, in the not too distant future Like as as more shooting becomes necessary to kind of open up these lanes for these other guys it's like troy weaver's really gonna have to find some guys who who can shoot
1: well that was one of the things that was interesting about killian hayes this week um it didn't strike me that he was necessarily um, put into lineups that would excel at shooting. And yet like he was still able to do quite a bit off the dribble, get into the paint and find other players. Uh, Maybe some of that was a function of the competition, but I I don't know. It's interesting to to me, you'd want to pair killing with shooters to open up lanes as you talked about. Um, But but killing in particular, like I think he has some natural skills that make him good enough to do some of those things you know, even if he doesn't have th- those ideal skills on the ready, and I just I was particularly impressed by that this week.
0: Yeah, I think you you could see this especially like when he's playing when Killian's playing with the other uh, point guards, is he can he can get these guys open shots, but you know, in the case of like a Dennis Smith Jr. right, that doesn't mean necessarily they're going to take that shot right away. Maybe they they feel more comfortable, you know, calling for another action or dribbling the the air out of the ball a little bit more. Um, or in the case of like Ahmadou Diallo, we saw a lot of you know he has you know he's behind the three point line he's open, but because that's not necessarily his game, he likes to slash, he likes to attack the rim, and so you'll see a couple like two hard dribbles and and a rim and a rim attack instead of an open three pointer just because that's what he's more comfortable with, and so yeah I think like defenses defenses are still uh, defenses will pack the paint a little bit heavier against guys who can't shoot or they, they don't fear as shooters. And so I'm not surprised that Killian's able to like get the ball to, to guys who are open because the defense is conceding that. Uh, but at the same time, like, like you say, you know, if you were to surround Killian with more shooters, you know, they'd be forced to to stay home on him or forced to stay home on the other shooters. And that may open up more, you know, more scoring lanes. And we might see more of the, the scoring instinct uh, come out for Killian Hayes. And so yeah, it's, it's it's again, it's just like interesting from a roster construction yeah. perspective of like what what this team's going to need, you know, moving forward. All right, Ben, uh, it is time. It's time for the segment. It's time for the Pistons' that. awful thing that's annoying me this week. Ben, the Pistons' awful thing that is annoying me this week takes me all the way back to late middle school, I, early high school. So there's a, there's a band called The the Bravery, which is like a, a fax of a copy of like a local police, like sketch artist description of The Strokes. And that song, they had a song called Every Word is a Knife in My Ear. It is exactly as subtle as it sounds. So with, with that in mind, every Mason Plumley jumper is a knife in my eyes. I have no clue... How all these jumpers, a don't get blocked because his release is so slow, um, and and b that teams are just like letting him take them because occasionally they go in. It's just it's it's so frustrating both because it, it shouldn't work and it does, and because it's also just like very aesthetically unpleasing. So that that's why it's annoying me this week, Mason. Please stop taking jumpers.
1: <laughs> it is truly an ugly set
0: shot, isn't it? It really is. What's your annoying thing this week, Ben?
1: Uh, so my annoying thing this week is the Tankathon, and I'm starting to feel a little concerned. Um, you look at the bottom of the league. Houston just continues to lose games at an alarming rate. Um, Orlando, I think now that they have retooled themselves to tank, could potentially start losing a whole lot of games. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure about Minnesota. I think probably kind of the same thing. They're just going to keep being terrible um i'm a little worried that you know detroit won two games this week and that uh they might play themselves into like fourth oh that's kind of hard to say you know it's interesting when the pistons are playing a game i am actively cheering for them to win like that's just my instinct and it i can't override that nor i don't think should i but you know when i look objectively at what would be best for the team right now they just need a superstar talent and it looks like one, two in this draft have a, a pretty good chance of being so. Um, so I'm a little, little nervous, a little annoyed uh, at the Pistons winning too. And some of those other teams continuing to just be awful.
0: Yeah. I, I confess I've watched a lot more Minnesota Timberwolves basketball than, than anyone should <laughs> at this point in time. And yeah, uh, the 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 tanking maneuvers that some of these teams are putting on just is uh is very astounding and of course the the pistons are implicit in that. We talked about jeremy grant missing games and in, in which you know he could be playing if there was something to play for but man when you when you watch the the timberwolves um you know get a you know fourteen point lead on the Celtics and then just like slowly just give it away for no reason, force an overtime game. And then just completely come on uh, out uninterested in playing defense in overtime. Just like, what What are we doing here? Right? Like uh, you watch, you watch Houston, you know, um, play really well in a game uh, in which like Luca played terribly and beat the Mavericks, but uh, you know, come out, you know, the next couple of nights and just give next to no effort <laughs> and play really poorly. Uh, and the, yeah, you, you are right. Ben looking at the, the bottom of the standings is uh it's it's a race to to the bottom for sure. So the Pistons have 16 wins right now. Orlando has 17 wins. The Rockets have 14 wins and the Timberwolves have 13 wins. So the Pistons are the worst uh they're the third worst right now. It seems like they're going to be the third worst. Would it would it make you feel better Ben if I told you if the Pistons stay third worst, they have a like 67% chance at a top 4 pick?
1: Oh yeah, that I mean that's certainly worth something, and, and it's better than they've been, which which I will take. But it also means that I am going to absolutely believe that that 33% or whatever is going to happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fair. That's, that's the curse of the fan, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, the schedule. Hopefully, the schedule will help us out, and the schedule will turn, and we'll have a bunch more games against teams that are trying to win games. Uh, they have the Clippers tonight on the back-to-back the west coast trip thus ends and i can stop going to sleep at one o'clock in the morning uh they but they play the clippers again at home on wednesday then they play the thunder okay that 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 might be trouble they play the thunder on friday and then washington on saturday ben actually those those two those two final games that are going into the weekend those look kind of bad for the tank
1: i'm not gonna lie that's what I'm saying. Like, I did not realize just how terrible the OKC roster is when they're trying to be terrible. <laughs> like, I, you know, you could see that roster losing like 15 games in a row. Like, there's just when they don't play their good players, they're terrible. I think the Pistons are four games back from them in the win column. So, you know, it's pr- they're probably not going to catch, you know, the Thunder probably not going to catch the Pistons. But like, yeah, I, I think losing to Washington would be helpful. Um, because I, th- as I understand it, based on the beat writers' opinions, um, Washington sort of has an, a long-standing playoff mandate. Like they're not allowed to tank, so to speak. So they're going to be trying to win. Um, Clippers will beat them twice, I think. Clippers are good, obviously. Um, OKC, okay, we could win that one. And then, I mean, again, I'm not going to cheer for them to lose while it's happening. But losing to Washington would be helpful.
0: I think. I think – the Washington game being a back to back will will be helpful for for losing purposes. Maybe that's just me projecting. Maybe that's just me hoping, but I think that'll be that'll be good for losing purposes. Uh, I will say the Thunder uh, have started. They they brought back one of their young guys who's actually good. You remember Darius Baisley? Pistons <coughs> were kind of interested in him. Uh, he played his first game in a couple of months uh, yesterday, Friday, somewhere in there. I saw I saw a tweet that's like "Welcome back, Darius," and so he played again. Um, and so that makes the, the Thunder, you know, marginally better than they were uh, before, maybe much, maybe like slightly less of a G League team than they were before. But that is that still does appear to be the only uh, or one of the few troublesome games uh, for the Pistons this week. At least, if the at least if they win, though, it's hopefully it's because the kids are playing well. That's what makes it True. difficult for me to be like too mad at any wins. If the wins are coming because you know Sadiq Bay has twenty eight, or you know Killian has a career high, or um, you know if if Jeremy Grant's not playing, like I I I can't I can't fault you too much.
1: Yeah, and there's not a lot much else you can do. Like if your guys are just playing well, then well they played well.
0: Yeah, and they have self selected for guys who play hard. Mm-hmm. every single night yeah, and that 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 means you're going to win some games. Yeah. All right, Ben. Uh let the people know where they can find you, where they can find what you've been up to uh as a as the season kind of draws to a close.
1: <laughs> well, in the immediate short term, I'm going to be seeing if Hideki Matsuyama can hold on to his five-shot lead, which will of course have happened um by the time this podcast airs, but the Masters has been a joy to watch this year. So I'll be on the couch watching some golf. Uh, which is like the perfect approaching forty sort of thing to do, which which I'll take at brgalka on Twitter, DetroitBadBoys.com. Uh Always for sure in the podcast post because I love getting feedback and I appreciate y'all for listening and giving that feedback to us.
0: I saw. Speaking of the Masters, I saw uh, Bryson DeChambeau's uh, yeah. like workout, like his uh, his uh, like he was practicing off the tee. And that 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 looked like a different sport. I've never seen golf.
1: <laughs> he looks really like a power day. lifter, man. He is huge. It's,
0: it's and uh, I I was reading this thing in the Atlantic about how you know being able to drive the ball that far is kind of breaking the the sport of golf. Yep, it's like the 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 courses can only get so long, essentially, and you know you can only redevelop and redesign you know so many courses uh, that are. You know, governed by you know the the golf bodies that that be and uh you know being able to drive the ball you know 320 yards straight kind of just like ruins the point of golf it's like oh that's kind of interesting well,
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting because like I've thought so much I haven't discussed this a lot with a lot of folks but I've thought so much about what would a four-point shot do to the NBA and it's not a totally dissimilar conversation to golf right because you have you have a select few number of human beings who are ever going to have the physical tool set to do that on a consistent basis to make it worth it. At least in golf in in basketball, I can see the the pool of people being able to knock down a four point shot consistently being much larger, but like, especially in golf because there's so many, like, you know, you're off by a millimeter and you swing and you're off by 30 yards by the time the ball travels 370 yards. Right. But um, you know, it's an, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing for the governing bodies to navigate because you're essentially trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we tweak the game for the, the smallest of the small subset of players, right, to make it more challenging for them and or more rewarding for them and then what are we doing to the rest of our pool of athletes? The guys who will never be able to knock down a four point shot at more than 10% or guys who will never be able to hit it over 350 yards successfully. Like how much do you tinker with the fundamentals of the game to account for these very select few, um, just incredibly gifted athletes?
0: What do you think about, um, you know, the, the thing with basketball and a four point shot is that, um, you know, it's when it's literally just the players out there, right? No, there's no special equipment. The there's no, like, there's no Nike shoes that are going to make you better at at a four point shot with golf though. You know, there is equipment that will help you, you know, drive the ball further, drive the ball more accurately. What what do you think about perhaps uh, a limit on the, on the technology that the uh, professionals are allowed to utilize uh, at the highest levels?
1: Yeah, that's an important distinction. And I think, that's probably where the PGA is looking right now. They, like, if you follow golf, you'll know that they, um, they have made some rules around this. Um, like, it's not directly related to driving the ball, but they, they banned anchoring putters. Like, you can't anchor your, your putter to your body because it fundamentally changes the point of golf, which is to have a free swinging club. So, like, I think that's probably where they will look. But I mean, at that point, you're, you're still talking about Bryson being this and Dustin Johnson's another guy, they're such incredible athletes and in the way that they're able to tweak their mechanics, it doesn't matter what club you give them, they're still going to outdrive their opposition to the point where it still makes the, the conversation uh, really, really challenging. So I think you'll probably see things like they did at Augusta this year, which is to remove the second cutter rough and put in a bunch of pine needles instead. So where they prioritize accuracy over just, you know, hitting the, the cover off the ball every time
0: that will be that will be i'll be interested to keep track of that i have not been watching the, mas- the masters but i do keep a kind of uh passing interest in what's going on in golf i will uh, i will also be cheering for uh what's his, uh hideki what's his last name matsuyama matsuyama i will also be following that uh, you know somewhat
1: closely Uh, yeah well i mean a a female japanese golfer won the women's masters which is historic in several ways and then you know if he wins this one another japanese golfer it's a it's a big deal for the sport internationally
0: i think i think so and this the sport could use more a
1: higher profile internationally yeah it needs a lot of diversity on every front (laughs) (laughs) with a whole lot of white boys (laughs) all right uh
0: we went Slightly off track, but that's fine. You guys don't care. You guys have been watching this Pistons team, too. You understand why we're talking (laughs) for 10 minutes about the Masters. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at Uh, L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. Read anything I'm working on on DetroitBadBoys.com. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you all next week. See you.